so happy. I've wanted you to watch this. I talked about nothing else all week. My house is just like, you need to shut up about this stupid movie. No, I can't. I won't. I am so excited to have watched this. What an experience. What a roller coaster. What a roller coaster we were just on. Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing usually the same story over and over until we go insane. I'm Liv. I'm Talon, and today we watched Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. This is the 2007 second direct-to-video sequel to the original Cinderella Disney animated cartoon. We're going to go ahead and call this the Doctor Who Cinderella because yes. there are some serious time travel shenanigans. Oh, there so are. There so are. So I've been so excited. I've been texting Talon all week. Just, I'm so excited. We get to watch this movie. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So Talon, tell us, how does this story begin? What, what's, the, what's the deal with this story? <laughs> okay. Well, before we can even begin there, I want to... <laughs> I just want to say that Wikipedia describes this um, feature as a direct-to-video fantasy adventure film, which is correct. So just get ready for that. It was directed by Daniel Brendenson, who is a producer and screenwriter best known as the co-writer of Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam, and the writer of Hannah Montana, the movie as well as Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie. So the deep dive I went into was the IMDb trivia page, which was sadly lacking, but did include the fact that there is a big dramatic horse scene towards the end of the movie. And that is the inspiration for the Flynn and Maximus scene in Tangled. Wow. That the scene where he flies through the air and lands on a sail and cuts his way down it with a knife. This is a Cinderella, guys, I promise. I promise this is a Cinderella, this happens. Is uh, taken from Peter Pan. Oh. hmm Okay. So, we open <laughs> on a really weird line, which we both kind of fixated on for probably longer than necessary. And it's a voiceover. We see, by the way, Yet a different castle. It's similar to the first two we saw, but it's not the same castle. It's better than the one from the second one. The one from the second one? Okay. It is better than both of the castles we see in the second Cinderella, uh, but it is still worse than the one we saw in the original. The village has also changed dramatically. It is now no longer a single street full of houses with mansard roofs mansard roofs are those really cool roofs there are the third story is mostly roof but the roof is is like really steep so it's still kind of a whole story it was done for tax reasons but now they're not now it's just this village full of huts so the whole town is different now but we're just going to ignore that it's also apparently now a seaside kingdom which it definitely wasn't before oh it definitely wasn't before but it is now and we get a voiceover I wrote this down word for word if you didn't. Could you? Because I didn't. Okay. So we kind of are seeing like a portrait of Cinderella and we're seeing this girl from the back and it's obviously Cinderella, but whatever. Um, And the voiceover goes, 
Do you remember the story of a girl who lived a life of cinders and how she found true love because she kept a beautiful dream in her heart? So what did you write in your notes after this? Because I wrote a lot of things in my notes after this line. I then wrote the next thing that she says out loud, which is, it also helps to have mouse friends who can sew and a very godmother who could do wonders with pumpkins. And then she goes, well, that girl is me as she turns around. Yeah. So her nose scratches, her she nose smiles scratches. and her, they animate her nose scratching, which really upset me for some reason. Yeah. So one, yes, we very much remember the story of Cinderella. Just want to be very clear. The two of us, we remember <laughs> the story oh boy, of Cinderella. Oh boy, do we, we. We sure do. We are the definition of remembering. Also, you did not have a life of cinders. We, we watched you. You were not dirty. You were clean. Yeah, they never talked about the whole cinders part of Cinderella in the first film, which was kind of weird. Like, they never... Well, that's why we assumed that that was her given name. Yes. So this whole bit with the cinders was just a weird flex of... I was so mad. It was such a, like, late to the game, late to the party statement, where it was like, I would have rather you had continued not acknowledging it. Just don't. You could have substituted any word there for cinders. You could have substituted dishes or chores. And we're like, yeah, a life of chores. We watched her have a life of chores and servitude. We watched that. That's fine. It wasn't cinders, though. It wasn't cinders. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to get pedantic about the specific kind of chore she did or did not do. But I do want to say it bothered me also. So we then cut to her running barefoot down the stairs and we get a close-up of her feet my note is well at least she has toes but she doesn't have toenails (laughs) and I was really upset about it because we had to pause the movie at that time because we had a technical problem and so I was just frozen on this picture of her with 10 very lovely toes and deliberately zero toenails and it just it made my skin crawl so yeah I just noticed that the foot looked less weird than before because before she had like a barbie foot where it was just a wedge yeah is it is it better to have a wedge foot or individuated toes with no toenails it didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you like i didn't even pay attention to it all right so we open now you're the weird one paying attention to feet too much this is i i'm gonna blame this on you so we have now a horrible song um all of the songs in this movie are horrible. There's a lot of them. They are all awful. Um, they're all terrible, and they are trying to be more Disney-like than the ones in the previous sequel, which did not try at all. Yes. Um, so these managed to be both annoying and like more bland. Yes, they, they were trying to be Disney songs rather than a potential pop song. They failed. Uh, very creatively they failed enthusiastically and again and again and again and again but the song we open with is I have it down as the perfectly perfect song yes Mm -hmm. and it's just her singing this incredibly schmaltzy song about how she's had the perfectly perfect year and she has a perfectly perfect husband and a perfectly perfect I wish I was exaggerating y'all no that's literally the structure of the song all because I fit a shoe I'm a princess and a wife just because I fit a shoe why are you bringing that up that why are you illustrating how stupid that is 
we get some interaction with her and the prince. He's giving her a pair of normal shoes that he had to rescue from the mice because they were using them for boats. And this is stated to us in the line by him, which means that he knows that mice have antics. In case you're wondering about that. So essentially it is their one year anniversary. They had a perfect year. At this point, we assume that this is the year anniversary that takes place after the second movie. Just chronologically, that makes sense right now. Mm -hmm. We then have a dark cut to the stepsisters who are all at their house doing a mountain of dishes. Uh, A comically, a Bilbo Baggins has just had dinner with the dwarves level of dishes. Okay, when you say we like shift to the stepsisters, like the music turns spooky. There's like pouring rain. Everything suddenly becomes purple. There's thunder. You're like, oh, and then Dracula shows up because it's like, very creepy it's the same song but they move it to a minor key and Which, it's loud and it's it's loud it's so i i do actually really like it when movies will use a previously happy song and move it to a minor key or change it in some way to make it dark and upsetting i i really love it when music does that so as much as i hated the song i wasn't mad that they included this we find that the stepsisters have had a terribly awful year. They have to do all their own chores now and they're poor. Oh, and I feel we're supposed so bad. To, yeah, we're supposed to be feeling bad for them. I guess. So Anastasia gets thrown out of the kitchen for some reason and sees Cinderella and the prince on horseback riding off to their picnic in the distance. And then she sings a different song in the middle of this okay, song. Okay, slow down, slow down. You missed like five things. We gotta go back. Oh God. All right, you go You're back to wherever you- You're going too fast. I have so many notes. I've got like 10 pages of notes. I have so many notes. Okay, so they're doing literally all of the dishes in the world that exist. Yes. And they're complaining like, why should we have to do the chores? And as they're saying this, like we had a terrible, awful year, they're starting to shove each other. It's Anastasia and Drizilla, the two stepsisters, and they're pushing each other around and- generally being bad to each other and the stepmother walks in and they complain about how terrible this is and she goes pathetic um it's a good moment that line made me laugh so hard and then she gets knocked out in the ensuing scuffle like knocked outside and she looks up and cinderella and the prince are riding horses holding hands and just going ha 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 yes so and it's just such a clear contrast of what a wonderful time they're having and it's so obnoxious because they keep laughing like it's not just like one laugh it's like literally like four laughs yep it's it's very the animators really wanted you to know what was happening in the scene they wanted to make sure you didn't miss it if you went to the bathroom and came back they wanted to make sure it was still happening so that you didn't miss this critical moment of this story so this is like a thing about this movie in that everything is just overacted like they overact with their faces which is incredible in an animated film yeah that's impressive and they overact with their lines they overact with like physical comedy not in a like cartoony way specifically but just in a again we have the these people animated a bad actor this is good animation of of a terrible actor. 
Yeah. It's really quite weird. So Anastasia now sings a different song in the middle of this perfectly perfect, terribly awful song about how she wants love. Yes. Specifically, she wants somebody to love her. Yes. And so then we get like a rendition of this perfectly perfect and she's looking for the perfectly perfect love. So that ends, thank God. I, I just have to... a note that says bad animation. And then why is the forest glowing? Oh, I was mad because the stepsister's uh, dress is still like very just shapes, like two circles and a triangle and then like an mm-hmm. oval skirt thing. Yep. I was no, so mad because they didn't add more detail to it, even though they changed the style of the animation with literally everything else. Nope, they chose to keep that part the way it was. So Anastasia now finishes her song about how she wants someone to be in love with her and notices that the forest is glowing and makes her way towards this glowing forest, which just, I mean, bad idea. Don't go towards glowing forests. It's not. It's not continuously glowing. It's like flickering with a glow. Yeah, it's an electrical fire waiting to happen. So we cut to the glittering forest. It is, of course, the fairy godmother doing exposition in song form and making a magical picnic for the prince and Cinderella's one-year anniversary. I just have exposition here. Yeah, um, she just sings about like how it was a perfect year. The mice jump around. Stuff happens. It's um, nothing and- is gained in this scene. Is it except for Anastasia is now physically present there, hiding sees the magic and says, I wonder if she has another wand to spare. Yeah. She also pogos without a pogo stick over to the tree. She like bounces in some weird way and then is like peeking out, watching all the magic happening. The locomotion in this movie is beyond bonkers. Just... The choices continue to be baffling. They do. So... The fairy godmother finishes her song and dramatically flings her wand out of her hand and it lands directly in front of Anastasia. Mm-hmm. And who grabs it and races back to her mother like, oh, okay, we're just, we're going fast now. The plot is starting for real, okay. Oh yeah, the plot moves like a mile a minute. Yeah. So she has a moment of like, oh, so that's how she did it because the fairy godmother transforms Cinderella and the prince and so their original outfits. In case we forgot. In case we forgot, basically. So Anastasia runs straight to her mother with the wand. And Drizella's there as well. And she goes, mother, our troubles are over. And holds out the magic wand. And Lady <laughs> Tremaine goes, a stick. It's so uh, great. And then the other stepsister, Drizella, goes, let's beat her with it. Yeah. So... I did like Lady Tremaine in this one a whole bunch. I don't know if they switched voice actors again they or did if not. they did not. Okay, well then she like upped her game or got some coffee or something because her scary Lady Tremaine voice was much better. I think the material she had to work with was also much better because Lady Tremaine wasn't like actively being very scary. It's true. So she does get a lot of very cutting lines in this one yes. and it's fun because you, you lady tremaine is a that's great villain what you want that's what you want for your villain so anastasia tries to remember the magic words Ugh. it's it's dumb she finally 
remembers but before she can say boo the fairy godmother walks out of the woods and tells her to give the wand back because it could be dangerous my note then says there's a struggle lucifer gets a duck body more hijinks so what happens is the wand gives off like uh like a shot of magic and it bounces or goes through the hole in an axe it basically it bounces off metal and hits lucifer and at first you don't see what it did but then he walks like further into frame and he's got the head of a cat on the body of a duck and it's creepy it is creepy and in this process of trying to get the wand away from anastasia the fairy godmother gets accidentally turned to stone it's horrifying and Anastasia's immediately like oh, oh no oh I'm so I didn't sorry mean to. I'm sorry yes so Lady Germaine is happy now and she says girls do you know what this means and Drizella goes no more laundry so I, I'm with you Drizella I, I, feel like I mean girl. yes that is what I would do with a magic wand yeah just no more laundry and so then Lady Germaine goes no power riches revenge and the stepsisters go oh <laughs> it's incredible it's, it's so great uh here are the wishes of the two stepsisters drizilla yells i want to be filthy stinking rich and anastasia yells i want a prince of my own and then lady Tremaine is so evil that she can't use a magic wand normally she has to nope. like chant an evil curse and yes. send like beams of green smoke like up into the sky and she calls on the forces of the universe and like scary lightning appears and she goes reverse the moon and sun unravel cinderella's happily ever after to the moment my troubles began and then says bibbity bobbity boo very menacingly which it's so creepy i can't do it it's incredible yeah it's really creepy and so what we're watching while this happening is there's green swirly smoke on the screen and we're watching things that we just saw. So Cinderella and the prince at their picnic, but they're now getting pulled away from one another. And we rewind further back in time and we get Cinderella and uh, the prince as she runs down the stairs of their wedding and they get pulled apart as he reaches for her and they get pulled it's away at so the dance dramatic. and they get pulled away. It's, it's genuinely extremely creepy, genuinely. It, it's really good use of animation because you think you're seeing the same animation again, just played in reverse. But you're not. But then like something wild happens. Like at one point when Cinderella's coming down the stairs, like in the memory towards the shoe, she's getting pulled back and she's like fighting against it. She's not just yes. walking backwards up the stairs. She's like being pulled away. Yeah. And their, their facial expressions change as they try to keep reaching for one another and get pulled away. It's very upsetting, actually. It's great. Yeah. So uh lady tremaine stops time right as the grand duke is arriving at their home to try on the shoe the first time in the original original yes and cinderella at this moment is up where she was in the first one she's locked in her room and the mice are like about to unlock it for her so lady tremaine stops the announcer guy from reading his long proclamation and just says please proceed with the shoe trying on we all know what's happening here and he goes to try it on Anastasia obviously it doesn't fit because her feet are massive they are 
they try to do the foreshortening joke where you're, you're showing the foot first and then the head and it's like a foreshortening thing but it's not foreshortened her foot is just a hundred feet long yeah like when they put the shoe on her they put it on her big toe and it barely fits and it barely fits it was weird they play around a lot with the size of the shoe and the size of the foot like visually and, and it's, it's not consistent it's it's not but lady tremaine bibbity bobbity boos it and the shoe grows and fits anastasia's foot and everyone is very shocked and Anastasia kisses her shoe and runs around screaming, it fits, it fits, it fits. And we get a lot of fun Drizella one-liners of, gee, I wonder if it fits. And I just... Drizella's of... like her mean goth sister and I'm here for it. She, yeah, Drizella, man, she has a lot of good one-liners. I don't really like what they did with her character in this one, but she has a lot of good one-liners. Yes. Well, listen, if we start talking about what they did to which character, we'll be here for the rest of time. This is true. Uh, None of the characters have stayed consistent from any other iteration that we've seen them in. And everyone just has an entirely new personality, except for Lady Tremaine, who just has the same personality but taken to the next level. Yeah, Drizella is still uh, very mean, but she is now actively mean towards her sister, where she wasn't actively just aggressively cutting and so Anastasia puts the shoe on and leaves with the Grand Duke and Cinderella at this point has freed herself from the room upstairs and runs down the stairs going no it can't be and Lady Germain says I must have a word with my maid so they leave the Grand Duke and Anastasia and the stepsisters leave. Lady Tremaine goes up the stairs, blocks Cinderella with her cane, and goes, You look confused, my dear. And it was just, mm, that line made my skin crawl. Oh, it was great. It was, it was, it was really awful. good. It was, yeah, it was wonderfully awful. And then she goes, Whatever you think happened last night was a dream. And she takes the shoe, Cinderella's glass slipper, and she drops it off of where they're standing on the stairs and it shatters. And she mm-hmm. goes, I don't care where you go or what you do, but you stay away from the prince. Oh, and clean up that broken glass. Oh, it's so dramatic. And Cinderella is just, I mean, bad pun, but she's shattered. She's just- Oh yeah she's crushed and confused and just I have big gaslighting vibes from this and it was just any any film where the villain does gaslighty things of like you look confused what's what why do you think something weird is happening I just makes makes my skin crawl so Cinderella is in like a fugue state and she closes the door and she like walks walks away from the door and just her face is just completely blank and she's saying to herself, what just happened? I don't understand. And she starts the next song, which goes like, I've always dreamed that my life could be like a fairy tale, a perfect fantasy, and how it was so much more than a dream when they danced together and how much she loves the prince and how she mm-hmm. feels it slipping away from her. And Gus Gus is crying. Yep. At which point the mice say, hey, I, I don't have the lines, guys, but they say, the prince knows he danced with you. You don't look anything like Anastasia. You can just go find him. And Cinderella goes, oh, that's right. 
like yes not everybody has face blindness cinderella you are not in a mask you could just go you very clearly don't look like anastasia and you were in no way disguised so this is not the first time i've watched this movie i'm ashamed to admit but the first time i watched this this is where i was going oh this is a cinderella doing something sensible i i really like this this is really great i love that there's not magic for her to lean on i love that she is overcoming her obstacles with very sensible things of like well hey he saw me and talked to me like i'm sure that's gonna count for something <sighs> oh that's sweet she so then there's... sings another song about trusting her heart and dreams coming true and my notes say that we wind up in the sound of music for a little bit because she's just in a field in the middle of nowhere in a dress with an apron just sort of spinning around with her arms open singing yeah do you think that was on purpose because that was so similar i hope so but if it's not it was subconscious because she just walks into the sound of music for a bit then she goes to the palace and she can't go in the main gate because there are big guards gus tries to fight them and she tells him that's dumb so she tries the servant's entrance and like a brilliant person who's used to doing chores and sort of getting what she wants she looks over and there's a line of people carrying stuff in just big wheels of cheese and bags of flour and stuff and so she walks over to the person distributing big wheels of cheese and holds out her hand for a big wheel of cheese and he looks at her kind of suspiciously and she smiles and she's beautiful so he smiles back and gives her the cheese and she walks into the palace with everybody else and i was like yeah no that's how i broke into so many dorms when i was in college just like no i live here i thought this was a really great version of cinderella having agency and being smart mm -hmm. in a way that made so much sense for her character mm -hmm. um don't get used to that friends because cinderella becomes like an action girl in this yeah just um this is what i like and what happens next is the part i don't like yeah. is what i would like to share with you all so she carries the cheese in but then does not go back out and stays inside and she bumps into prudence the governess from the last movie I was so excited to see Prudence. I don't know why I was excited to see <laughs> Prudence, but I saw her because you see her from the back first and she's yeah. like, who are you? What are you doing? And then like, I'm like, oh, is that? And yes, then they show Prudence. her face. And like, she's wearing like a different matching eyeshadow to her different matching outfit, which is what she mm -hmm. did in the previous mm -hmm. one. And I'm like, oh, it's Prudence. <laughs> and then I was like, why do I care? You gotta, you gotta the get the little things. The sequence of films now has like a continuity, and I was excited. This film builds up so much continuity for the first two thirds, I guess, and then just shattered. Okay, so Prudence is grilling Cinderella, saying, "Who are you? I know all the servants here, and I've never seen you before." And Cinderella, thinking fast, goes, "I am the royal mouse catcher." snap them and trap them yep that's her phrase it's great and it's a really fun moment of her thinking fast on her feet because she has mice in her pocket and she drops them on the ground and prudence says in all my years here we've never ever ever had a rodent problem and as she says that the maids in the other in the kitchen the other room start screaming nice and mm, they get kitchen hijinks where people are chasing the mice and hitting things and things fall over my note here is gus swings like tarzan with sausages 
so what the mice are doing that made everybody scream mice isn't just like running across the floor or whatever like in the previous like in the previous one um they like overdo it when they're trying to get noticed so Mm -hmm. Jacques is like standing up and just like with both hands picking up eggs and throwing them onto the floor yeah like mice do you know mouse things and yeah Gus swings through the ceiling and like is chewing through a hot dog while he does it and is he's just walking making, with a also, full sausage he's also making the tarzan yell by the way he yes that just that little moment made me happy for no reason so cinderella keeps trying to convince prudence that like she can help with this and prudence runs around the kitchen with a broom uh certain that she can handle it herself she slides on some food she falls in face first into a bucket of tomatoes and then the metal bucket falls onto her head. And now Cinderella has a net. I don't know where she got the net. It's a butterfly like, net, by yeah, the way. It's, it's a butterfly net, just for visual help. Yes. Um, and she's like, well, I'll just get those mice. Come on, guys. And, and now then we're done she with that scene. in the palace. Yeah, we're done with that scene then. We then cut to the prince and the king fencing. How many of these lines did you get down? Because I got down the gist and that's basically all. And then I got really sidetracked on a fencing. I got sidetracked real bad. So I I tried, but they were moving fast. They they're fencing and it starts with the line, those aren't reasons. Because we're joining the mid conversation scene. Yeah. And presumably the princess said something along the lines of like wanting to marry for love or something we don't know they literally didn't show us and the king's like you need good breeding and something deportment something things that kings like and basically it comes down to not and not their choice in transparent footwear that was a good line yes and the prince is like it's not about the slipper it's about the girl in the slipper and you know it's not it's not the fact that she's a size four and a half. It's that that's all he has to go on. Yeah. So the king is saying, you know, what, you know, there's, the king says, do you think she's the only woman in the kingdom who wears a size four and a half? But right. what's happening while this is going on, I was on the fencing team in college, everybody. So I'm really sorry for what's about to happen. Unless Talon cuts it all, in which case you won't know this happened. <laughs> so the king goes to get a pair and the prince just swords it out of his hand he just slices it sticks it and tosses it and the king says nice parry that's not a parry that's a lunge a parry is when you block a blow i'm so sorry i so because then i was just looking at their sword fighting and the prince has got a table in front of him and he's just sort of lounging daydreaming on his hand and rapidly sword fighting but he's not even sword fighting he's just doing random uh, parry 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 it's not that's not how you sword fight. I understand this is animation, and I know that I'm really picky about this. I'm gonna stop now. So anyway, uh, <laughs> the prince has a face now. Before he had like the suggestion of a face, but now they've fully animated his face, and he has a lot of different expressions and emotions. And it turns out I hate it. Yeah, he gets a he gets a personality, but that personality is himbo enthusiasm enthusiasm himbo just. He also doesn't get a name, by the way. I I wasn't going to tell them that until the end. <laughs> oh, okay. You can cut that. 
No, no, no. I think that's hilarious. Just Isn't get it? a name. They don't. Three movies. No one calls him by anything other than your highness. I thought at some point would see Cinderella call him something other than that. But no, circumstances dictate that she must also call him your highness. It would have been a really great thing to have when she meets him to be able to call him by name, something that maybe the regular person wouldn't know that his name and that would be a moment of connection. But no, no, we don't get that. That's not a thing that happens. I would have been happy. I would have accepted if at any point she had been like, there he is, my Prince Charming. But that doesn't happen either. No one calls him Charming. Nope. So we are actually still in the middle of this conversation, sword fight, nonsense What you have to know... What you have to know is that the prince is incredibly athletic and acrobatic and it's mm-hmm. like bouncing off of things and basically like doing all sorts of fancy footwork he's while got he's a, fighting with his dad. He's also got a trapeze, so he's doing massive trapeze stunts by himself and he's got like parallel bars. He, he just has a whole gymnasium in this room and he's just levitating around it athletically. And we get the information that the king was very much in love with his his dead wife and okay this is incredible because this is revealed to us by revealing a painting of the king and the late queen and she's like very young looking with red hair and is sitting like outside in this garden and he's sitting like basically in her lap and he's so tiny and mm-hmm. he's always been tiny and they've mm-hmm. got him looking the way he looks now so either he's been very old for a very long time or she's very young and something i don't know uh the age difference is intense and he's sitting in her lab and he's very small i like this backstory we find out that the king just touched her hand and knew the stars were brighter that night the i have so many feelings about the king because in the first movie he's just this weird toddler who changes color and exists only in extreme rage or extreme joy that's it okay. and we also get that here except he doesn't turn colors which is annoying if you're gonna animate somebody who exists only in extreme rage or extreme joy you should at least make their face turn purple every once in a while but he also gets this side of him that's very nostalgic and mm-hmm. sort of oh well just let them go it's fine and it's very it comes out of nowhere and it makes sense that we see it now because he's thinking about his wife who he dearly loved and that's it's okay that, that makes sense it's reasonable I'm, I'm here for it and we get an announcement that the lady the shoe has arrived and so the prince races off into the room where Anastasia is sitting on a chair and Lady Tremaine and Drizella are behind her and he walks into the room and he goes there's big dramatic music and it sort of fades off in that comedy wah, wah, wah kind of way and the prince it says sours it does it's it's really great and the prince goes am i in the right room there seems to be a mix-up because anastasia is not cinderella i do like that they're working off the fact that they had sent the grand duke to mm-hmm. make all the prince all the girls try on the shoe yeah. to see which one was Cinderella. So if they had just sent the prince to every house, 
that would have achieved the same thing to just look at a person yes so i don't know i don't know what they thought they were i do like that they're going off the bit where we never saw the prince do that like we do in other cinderellas because if we had seen the prince do that then this wouldn't work yes so the prince gives a kind of rambly polite little speech of well yes i know the royal proclamation said that but um you're not the girl i danced with so thank you so much for coming and i will have someone escort you home essentially and Mm -hmm. the stepmother uh magics him into forgetting the real cinderella my note here goes rasputin magic because it very much has a it does it has a rasputin vibe she changes his memory so that he remembers dancing with anastasia and he doesn't remember cinderella at all and then magics him into deciding to get married that night so the spell hits him right as he's getting to the door and he turns around and what does he say talon He says, wait, hold the trumpet. It's all coming back. Hold the trumpet. I can't. So you like that part too? Lake is not really... Okay. Okay. So the prince kneels down and says, well, I know it's a little early and pulls out a box and he goes, but will you marry me? And Anastasia shrieks, yes, and then starts screaming, yippee, falls over backwards, still screaming, yippee, grabs at the ring it falls out of her hands there's hijinks as she bounces around the room trying to get it she eventually gets it it's a little too small for her finger so she does the kind of gross thing where you just put your entire finger in your mouth and cover your finger with spit and then the ring gets on and then her stepmother is like and she stands up and attempts to be graceful and go i mean yes i would be delighted it's way too little (laughs) way too late but nice try. Um, thankfully, the prince is still in some sort of magic-induced brain fog and does not remark on that at all. And basically, they're like, we're having the ceremony tonight, which means they are sticking with the one day or less notification of an impending ball. Of all the things to be consistent about in this universe, of all the things they've changed, why is the one day party rule something that they've decided to stick with? why was that Um, their ride or die thing it's clearly tradition it's what this kingdom is founded on so fortunately while all this magic nonsense was happening the mice were there to see it all and they flee the room to go find cinderella and tell her about this in the meantime cinderella is sneaking through the palace again with a butterfly net the stepsisters go by and she hides behind i don't know something and then lucifer is there and almost finds her but doesn't because he's called away by lady tremaine and then the prince walks by and cinderella chases after him and just kind of goes your highness and then just giggles (laughs) this is the part where i'm like why is she calling him your highness why does she call him what do we decide his name was james i think we decided on james yeah why why doesn't she call him james why doesn't she call him Duchess? She should know. <laughs> if nobody got that joke, you should be patrons. Go be patrons. You'll get that joke. So she says, it's wonderful to see you again. And he goes, I'm sorry, have we met? 
And she thinks that he's flirting back and she's like, oh, well, I believe he danced last night at the ball. And she's still like giggling the whole time. And he goes, maybe you've mistaken me for some other prince. And she laughs and drops the butterfly net. And they start to have a connection because they both reach for the butterfly net, but they don't touch hands. Well, she also goes, you're quite the dancer. Yeah, and his eyes go magic green again, which she doesn't notice. And he he starts talking to her about, oh, yes, the girl I married or the girl I danced with, she was lovely. I'm going to marry her. And she goes, marry her. And he goes, tonight. And she goes, tonight. And he goes, well, yes, once you've danced with Anastasia and continues on with sentences, she's just, she's shook. Um, we also get a lot of like weird nostril shots in this they, moment where yeah. they're like animating her as if we're looking from the bottom up at her face but they literally draw out her nostrils and they did that with the prince in the fencing scene as well it's it's a weirdly voldemorty nose that she's it's got. not great it's it's bizarre it's not that hard to animate a nose i mean anyway so prudence shows up on the scene and is like oh this is not great and is trying to drag cinderella away who's just completely shaken and goes, but it was me. It's a very sad scene. Yeah, and as she's being pulled away, she's looking towards the prince. And as the prince is walking away, he's like looking over his shoulder and they both leave at opposite ends of like this hall that they met at. And the prince looks sort of sad and confused. His, His interactions toward her, which at this point I'm still fascinated by because he's just been accosted by a random servant who approached him and goes i danced with you last night and he's being polite but clearly confused because he's been magicked and Mm -hmm. so it's a really interesting dynamic and i was totally here for it i think that they were trying to walk the line between him clearly having like feeling some sort of pull towards cinderella without making it look like he would cheat on his fiance as a person yes i think that must have been the line they were going for because they do have this pull but he they're also trying to paint him as just a very um upright decent man like there's not even the suggestion that he's like attracted to her he's just sort of like well she seems bizarre yes it's it's a sad scene it's ah it's rough anyways Prudence uh, takes Cinderella down to the basement and tells her to make sure everything is free of mice, which is pretty funny because about four minutes ago, Prudence declared that she'd never, ever seen a mouse in the history of her, her life, but now Cinderella has to go clean all the mice. And the mice find Cinderella there. She's crying. And she's crying, as, she, as, as makes sense. This is a good time for a cry. And they say they found the prince and Cinderella goes... I found him, but he doesn't remember me. And the mice say Um, magic and tell her the same story that we just watched. My notes are insane, bizarre, Anastasia. Oh my God. uh, So what the mice do is they act out the story by like dressing up like characters and doing like their hair and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm um and kind of putting on a little play for cinderella um and they're like she made him forget and so cinderella is like magic that explains it um i 
was personally very thankful that they chose to just get rid of that whole she doesn't know that he's been magic and she thinks that he doesn't love her for real like that whole possible dilemma which Mm -hmm. in most stories that would be the driving plot I'm so glad we avoided that that's my least favorite plot it was a very good plot point that they very wisely avoided and I was happy about it because now it gives us a very reasonable thing to go do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. magic prince it's a very achievable goal so cinderella's like magic that explains it and she has a plan right away she goes boys we have to get that wand and it immediately shows us lady tremaine tucking the wand into her sleeve so the the grand duke is explaining to lady tremaine that he has been put in charge of all the wedding preparations and she's being very snide with him and we open a door to see said wedding preparations. I have that they have a 15-story cake. That sounds this, about right. Yeah, this cake is definitely more than 50 feet tall. It's huge. There's all this food. There's all these flowers. And... Just massive amounts of food. Drizilla immediately goes to the wedding cake, takes her hand, wipes her hand across the frosting, and just starts eating it. And I was just... Strong this was sibling the part, energy. This is the part where the stepsisters started becoming too much, too much, because they are ungraceful and they are loud and cruel and unthinking and selfish and spoiled and have no taste. But there's no sense in the previous movie that they are barbarians. They're just not fit for society. Just not fit for society. Just raised by wolves. They're they're well-bred young ladies who are horrific human beings who lack any kind of grace or kindness but they're not they're not monsters they know what social expectations are yeah like they know enough to know when they're breaking like they would know that that would not be acceptable behavior anywhere yeah but anyway they they run through the room and they're swiping at all the food and they're kind of pushing each other meanwhile and Anastasia and, is allergic to roses, so she picks up a big bouquet of roses and then sneezes all the roses away. Yes. Um, at which point, Lady Tremaine says that these preparations are entirely unacceptable and that her, her daughter has a delicate constitution and that everything must reflect her daughter's elegance. Meanwhile, the two sisters are having a full-on food fight. Full-on food fight. And Starting with uh, Anastasia calling Drizella a pig. And then Drizella takes the apple from the roasted pig's mouth and stuffs it in Anastasia's mouth, who then spits it out and it just devolves from there. So the next scene is the prince talking to the king, saying, Dad, wait till you meet her. She has everything, breeding, refinement. And they open the door onto this food fight and the cake falls and splatters everywhere. And there's just this long beat of silence. And the Grand Duke is panicking, as he always does, because his only mode is panic or snobbery. And he goes, oh, I'll clean it all up. And the king does the, well, you better, or finger across the throat. And just sort of out of nowhere. It comes from nowhere. It doesn't go anywhere. It's a weird thing to include. I don't know why they chose to animate that. Well, it's because that's exactly what he says last time. Yeah. When he's not- like, I'm going to bed and this better. Anyway. It was done then. It was... That was a weird callback. Of all the callbacks to have, that was a weird one. 
they have several well, they callbacks. Keep trying to remind us that this is like based on a movie we saw because it doesn't resemble it in any way. Um, the yeah. king also says when they walk in, are we in the right room? Yes. Um, which was cute. That, that was cute. There were a couple of funny moments. So the prince introduces Anastasia, who has a whole bunch of cake just on her head. She curtsies to the king, and the cake falls off her head and lands in the king's hand, and he wipes it on the Grand Duke. And there's another long moment of awkward silence. And the prince goes, shall we dance? Which was weird, but okay. So a band is hastily constructed, and they go to dance, and Anastasia says, I'm sorry, I don't dance much. And basically just keeps screwing up the fact that she wasn't dancing with him last night. She just, she keeps screwing up. Mm -hmm. And the prince says, I'll never forget when I first touched your hand as he touches her hand and has this great facial expression of, oh no, something is wrong. There was clearly a spark when I touched, finger quote, your hand last night and something doesn't feel right and I'm very confused. They try to dance. It does not go well. She steps on his feet a lot. A comedy moment that I do really like is she still has one glass slipper on and it clinks every time she takes a step. So we get, and they, they really lean into the soundscaping of that. So it's shuffle, clink, shuffle, shuffle, clink, shuffle, clink. It's just overdone. It's really funny. So not only does it match like their dance, um, it also emphasizes like the last beat in the in the music so it goes da 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 clink 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 basically and every time she steps on his feet the band hits a wrong note so the music goes sour and Mm -hmm. so as she steps on his feet more and more the the music which is that famous waltz just goes sour and flatter and sour and And every single time she goes sorry 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 i'm sorry sorry and so it's this chorus of sorries until like the very last one where she steps, she steps on, on her own skirt and kind mm-hmm. of knocks herself on her butt. Yep. My note is the king is looking on and looks very charmed by this. Yes. Which is weird. I, uh, had, that, I had that note too. And I was like, he's looking very dreamily. Yeah. Just, oh, this is so dancing. lovely. I'm confused. And the prince asks if Anastasia's okay and she goes oh these aren't my shoes realizes she's wearing the glass shoes and goes I mean they are my shoes but they're not I'm I'm sorry I don't know what's wrong with me and then she just sort of collapses with her face in her hands and is just like clearly very overwhelmed and the prince is like this was fun thank you if you'll please excuse me And and like is very nice to her and like leaves and she's looking at him like she might actually be in love yeah she she caught the feelings and she goes to herself he was nice to me and drizella responds with because he's under a spell (laughs) drizella with the zingers in this one she's being really mean they're they're mean zingers but damn they're funny so the king and the prince and the grand duke are walking away and they're basically talking about how the prince feels like there's something wrong and the grand duke's like we'll get a dozen dance instructors and then the king goes an army of dance instructors and the prince is trying to explain that when he touched her hand he felt nothing it basically just ends there that's we then we just cut 
from there to the king announcing that he needs to speak with Anastasia immediately and alone ominous music yes and Drusilla whispers to her stepmother let's make a run for it while we can (laughs) and so Anastasia is talking rapidly just making excuses just oh I'm sorry the shoes I the dress and I was overwhelmed he just making rapid excuses and the king says in a very gentle tone of voice you remind me of my former wife she was a terrible dancer stepped on my feet but she took good care of my heart and he picks up a golden chocolate box um okay so this one is very sweet but it is also happening in a room full of portraits like every square inch is covered in a portrait and they're all portraits of the red-headed lady his late wife or you know what we don't know she's dead maybe she's just been like on a trip for a long time i think it's safe to assume that she's dead i mean she is she's definitely dead. dead okay so at this point i would like to point out that she is like curling red hair and actually does not look unlike anastasia and I kept picking it up like the king is smitten with the Anastasia vibes. And like, yes. I'm sorry, I, I understand that that's weird. No. But I abs- can't like not mention it because that's- every single time he looked at her, he seemed like besotted. Also, yes. there is no spell on the king. And the king saw the prince dancing the previous night. And surely he would notice. Oh, no, the king didn't. He was asleep. The no, he did. No, he did see. He saw through the spyglass, and he saw that it was going well. And then he went to sleep. I, admittedly, it was from a distance, but blonde and red are different colors. Yeah, I just I feel like what's going on with the Grand Duke and the King that they're not like that's a different girl. By the way, the whole I want grandchildren very badly subplot is completely dropped. Oh, completely dropped. The King. Is they now... never mention it once. Now we're focusing on the dead wife. Mm-hmm and how he was in love with her yeah so the king takes anastasia out onto a balcony and says that he wants to give her something very valuable it's a seashell and he tells anastasia that he and his dead wife found it while they were walking on the beach it was the first day they met they both reached for it and when their hands touched they knew it was true love it's a cute touching scene actually it's it's kind of cute Anastasia starts by looking excited that he's going to present her with something. So her face kind of falling when she sees that it's just a seashell. And then as he's telling her the story, she's kind of very taken in by it. Mm -hmm. And you can see that she sees the the value of this gift and she's not really disappointed anymore. It's a really sweet scene and it's well animated. And then the king clearly uh, having done enough emotions for the day goes, and that's, that's all run along. Um, he also says that, you know, when their hands touch, they found true love and there's no more powerful force. Huh. Oh, oh do we right. think that that might be important later? Clearly not, because I missed it entirely. <laughs> Literally, it's not in my notes. That's why, that's why I also made such a big deal of the way that the magic bounced off of metal. Yeah. Because we saw that in that early scene, too. Yeah. Drop- dropping breadcrumbs for all of you breadcrumbs there's no amount of breadcrumbs in the universe that could lead you from the beginning of the story to the end of the story it's just i mean maybe to the end as long as you skip everything in the middle okay so anastasia is now in a big mirror practicing saying i do my notes go oh no anastasia song well that was blessedly fast she sings a an i do song like yes i do i want 
love whatever something whatever it's done there's thank god two pink butterflies and the mirror that she's practicing in front of is really oversized and really creepy and it keeps looking like something horrible is gonna happen but the horrible thing that happens is that anastasia gets a song yes there's a they play up the mirror aspect in this movie a lot and yeah and it, it doesn't go anywhere it, it never has a payoff other than being making me very unhappy so well okay there there is like if you if you kind of look at it sideways and squint i'll i'll mention it when we get there okay okay we, we cut to cinderella and she has found a room that has suspicious green sparks shooting out from underneath the door and goes and spies on the stepmother and drisella drisella has the wand and is making insane dresses and jewelry cinderella also tells the birds you go get the prince right right Drizzle is like laughing and having an amazing time and Just insane clothes orange and pink and Marie Antoinette and massive god it's it's bizarre she's having a real good time she is. and Lady Tremaine basically scolds her and she gets turned back into herself and Lady Tremaine takes the wand and she puts it in the closet and then she locks it and she puts the key in her pocket yes so Anastasia then comes around the corner, uh, or down the hallway, and almost catches Cinderella staring in at the keyhole like a perv, but she hides behind some curtains, and Anastasia enters the room. The mice convince Cinderella to let them go get the key, because there's no way she can go in there and get it on her own. It's and too dangerous, they it's say. It's too dangerous. And Cinderella says, okay, fine, but stay clear of Lucifer. So we cut to the inside of the room, and Lady Tremaine is asking what happened with the king. Anastasia's telling this very sincere story about oh he gave me the seashell and he was in love with his first wife and la 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 and they make fun of her and then she goes mother i want the prince to love me i think he could and her sister bursts out laughing and then he's like oh you're serious yes and anastasia doubles down she's like maybe we shouldn't be doing this maybe we don't even need the wand while all this is happening, the mice are doing antics to try to get the wand. It's weirdly not as engaging as it was in the original Cinderella movie. It just mostly happens like towards the background and they do it very quickly. Yeah, there's, they don't build the tension. Even the, the horrible scene in the first one where Lucifer gets stuck in the sleeve of a dress and has to like inchworm his way across the floor, that builds a lot of tension because a bad thing is coming slowly. This is just bizarre and lucifer's tail catches fire for no reason just that's part of the antics is his tail catches on fire it, it also doesn't seem like it's hard like the mice are so good at things now that like when you're watching the first one you're kind of like oh can a mouse do this do and then uh, in this one you're like these mice can do anything it doesn't they, matter there are no clearly, they've clearly practiced this they know how to get keys out of this specific woman's pockets it's not a big deal they also lose the physics aspect where you don't get yeah. the sense that the key weighs anything because no. sometimes it looks like it's really heavy and sometimes it looks like it's really light and like one of them can carry it and then the other one is like swinging with yeah. it the, and then it, the continuity is yeah it's not as grounding so you don't feel like it's as physically there and so it feels more like whatever yeah so there's more hijinks. The mice get the key and wind up hiding under a teacup. Again, callback. The stepmother calls for housekeeping and immediately there is a knock on the door. 
and she lets it's been a lot of crashing and smashing and cartoony nonsense with the cat running around the room with its tail on fire yeah so she lets in the maid it's obviously cinderella but in a bonnet but in a bonnet and it's very handmaid's tail because it's hiding her face yeah it's a little disturbing so she starts to clean things up she sees the mice have the key under the teacup and she also does a weird voice she's like oh it's housekeeping yeah oh and the stepmother goes you got here remarkably fast and she goes we're really good at our jobs <laughs> it's She's just doing a very silly high-pitched voice it's really weird it's a bizarre choice i i think they want us to not know that it's cinderella is which yeah, it obviously is they're hiding it, her face from us as well yeah so she starts to clean things up and sort of helps the mice hide the key or something the stepmother immediately knows that it's her because it's not a good hide but we get the reveal because the stepmother we see her reflection in the bucket of water and she goes isn't that right cinderella and then anastasia goes i didn't know you worked here it's such a good line it's great so cinderella they have the i won't let you get away with this we already have and cinderella and the mice run with the wand the mice have the wand and cinderella flees and there's more hijinks the stepmother calls the palace guard on her and says she's a thief um and then, does bibbity bobbity booze and lucifer becomes a horrifying jack-in-the-box monster that bounces after them yeah because at first you think oh well at least it'll be stationary no no this is an evil alive jack-in-the-box cat and with is, the cat head on top of the jack-in-the-box situation and it is chasing them lucifer then gets turned into a tiny cat uh cat sized for mice if mice had cats proportionally the same proportionally as cat sized for mice as for, i'm gonna stop but is still terrifying and able to attack them for reasons probably because cats because are dangerous cats are terrifying i've had cats attack me that was oh, completely yeah. correct i have yeah. a quick question for you that's just I have to ask before I forget it. Yes. What was more upsetting for you when Lucifer had the head of a cat and the body of a goose or when Lucifer had the head of a cat and the body of a jack-in-the-box? Oh, the jack-in-the-box. Absolutely. See, I found the goose more upsetting because of the slow reveal. Yeah, but at least both of those parts are supposed to move. Jacks in the box are supposed to be stationary. I don't like the concept of inanimate objects chasing me with evil intent. Ah. Just one of my existential horrors. The accordion neck was really upsetting. It was. It was. It was upsetting. And I just, I'm not afraid of clowns, but I do have a terror that inanimate objects will attack me. Anyway, the two mice take the wand into a mouse hole, but because Lucifer is very small, he's able to follow them in. But then they Um, bibbidi-bobbidi-booze him again. And, and he, he becomes big but like bigger like not cat sized he becomes dog sized now but just yeah. for a second cinderella locks herself in a room and uses a sword to shove through the through the handles of a door like so, kira knightley tried in pirates of the caribbean she has yeah. a very kira knightley in pirates of the caribbean vibe she does um this is when she starts being an action girl who's yes. like capable of thinking on her feet while running and like doing like athletic feats so at this point the birds have got the prince and the two little bluebirds from before are pulling at his sleeves and pants and literally dragging him and his response is 
this is weird, but okay. Just himbo response. Just, well, okay, I guess he, I'll go with these birds now. He literally says, all right, I'm coming. Like, what else are you going to do? I guess this is what I'm doing today. He's very amenable, is what I'm going to say for this prince. The character trait that he gets is easygoing. So everything's coming together. He's in the area. You know, the mice are like, catch. And Cinderella gets the wand and she goes, lift the spell on him. Let him remember. Bibbity bobbity. And the guards get her. And the guards get her. Before she can say boo, because I guess if someone's touching you, you can't say boo. Or if you're surprised, you have to start over because you paused. I don't know. And then Lady Tremaine like pulls the wand out of her hand because she's not paying attention. And Cinderella goes, please, you're under a spell. That's why you don't remember me. And she reaches for the prince and she touches his hand. And you hear this little kind of like thing noise. And you yeah. see on his face that he definitely felt like a spark. He felt something. It was, there was static electricity there. So she's carried away. And he tells his dad, he tells someone, she seemed nice when I met her. Maybe a little confused, but still, there's something about her. I think he's talking to Lady Tremaine at that point. Oh my God. And she goes, she's clearly a troubled young woman. I'll see to it personally that she gets all the help she needs. That's right. Oh, thank you. Drizella, like a dumb dumb, goes, nice try, but we won. And the and prince goes, who's standing right next to her? It's like, you it's like, what do you won? And literally, she's got nothing. She's like, oh, I, nothing? Nothing? Bye. And just runs away. And you know that, like, the fallout from Lady Tremaine is coming. (laughs) Yes. So Lady Tremaine tells the guard to put Cinderella on the next boat to be banished and tells Drizella, be careful or you're going to be banished next, which is intense, but okay. Yeah. So now we get a scene with the king and the prince talking, and this is the fun mirror scene. Not it's that it's a fun mirror. scene with a mirror, but it's a fun house mirror. Thank you. Like, yes. I want to be clear. No part of this was fun. Oh, I had a lot of fun. So oh, well. the king is getting fitted for like a fancy suit or whatever. And his reflection makes him look taller and like broad chested, whatever. And he's like, ah, yes, this is great. And then you see the prince coming up to him. And as he's moving forward, you see his reflection in the mirror get weirder and like It's a fun house mirror. It's a yeah. fun house mirror. And he goes, dad, something strange is going on. And his father is like, yeah, you're getting married. And the prince is like, no, I mean, something's wrong. Yeah. I don't know what happens next. I have a link so in my notes. The mice get the prince's attention is oh, what they happens do. Okay. next. I have that in my notes as next. I didn't realize. That literally happens right now next. It's right not now. even a scene okay. change. It's in the same scene. Okay. I was like, that's too jarring. What did I miss? No, no. It's the mice. So Jack and Gus are in that room with the king and the prince on a different dresser sort of hopping and yelling at the prince to get his attention he freaks out a little bit sort of staggers back and then basically has a well whatever i guess i'll go follow these talking mice he's like okay first birds now mice and he like tries talking to them he's like hello little mice so he he goes i've lost my mind 
So they, they run into a, a secondary room and it's a storeroom full of random stuff. And he follows, but he can't find them right away. And he says, I'll to himself, first I was hijacked by birds and now I'm talking to imaginary mice. It's official, I've lost my mind. And the mice come out of that well, point and go, Princey, well, and he goes, point, okay, not imaginary. No, at that point, the birds pull open the shades. Oh, right, right, And right, the birds right, have right. little outfits. So like, they're not regular birds. And then the light, shines a spotlight onto the mice and they're like prince prince over here and he goes oh good not imaginary and so that's that's actually the worst outcome if you have imaginary talking mice that's better than not imagine talking mice that's that's not the best i'm just saying if you have imaginary talking mice i mean there's you're imagining you're hallucinating or they're real actual talking mice. And some of those options are better than others. They are. So the mice try to explain like the whole magic thing, but they're talking all at once. And really fast. And the prince is like, I think I understand. And you're like, oh my goodness. This is why the prince and Cinderella are like meant to be together. He is also communing with the mice. And then he's like, actually I got nothing. Which I thought was a really great moment of reality. You're trying to listen to two small mice squeak at you in their weird pigeon talk over one another. And then... So their solution to this problem is that they're going to do it via song. So they sing a song. Her name is Cinderella. She's the girl you met. Cinderella was the maiden at the ball. It's, it's Gus at the ball, having at the ball. Cinderella's at the ball. It's... it's but in high-pitched awful mouse voices and it just goes on and basically they just retell us the entire movie in song format so if you were to walk into the movie right now you would be up to date yeah because it includes the fairy godmother getting turned to stone and it includes the prince being magic and includes everything this is you could walk in they pitched this movie this is absolutely how they pitched this movie i think it might have been with this actual song and this actual dance number Um, Gus does the hypnotized eyes again to explain to the prince that he's like enchanted Mm -hmm. Um, which I want to know how does he do the eyes because they like pulsate and they're green yeah green and yellow they spiral and the prince is like wait you're telling me I'm under a spell and they're like yep yes it's up to princey prince to save the day and he goes yes that makes perfect sense that would explain everything sure my dude why not and so then the birds fly in and they have pieced together the broken glass shoe i want to know how i want to know how these birds gathered up the splinters of a glass shoe and glued them back together because it's very clearly glued together maybe some other mice did it because we don't see any of the other mice other than gus and jack okay maybe mary's still at the house Maybe Mary does it. Which is weird because we saw all of the mice. So many mice. So many mice. Yeah. In the second one. And then this this one, they're like, nobody liked the mice. (laughs) We got the memo. We need way fewer mice. (laughs) Not not that we shouldn't have them drive the plot, but just less of them. That was the problem. There were just too many of them. And they're like, okay. At this point, the prince thinks that her name is Cinderella. Because that's what the mice call her. So he's like, is this Cinderella's? It belongs to her? I have to find her. And he leaves. And my notes go, oh no, why is there a reprise? Kill me now. Because the mice have a slow kick, cor- kick line, chorus line 
reprise of their horrific song. They go the prince, one more time, and then and, we're, and our nuns both go, no, 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 not that. And so they do the reprise, and the prince peeks his head in, and he goes, oh, uh, thanks, and love the song. What did your nuns say right after that line? Anything? Uh, nothing. Because I was like, why? Why did that happen? Why is he like this? Why did they choose this first personality? They could have picked anything. Yeah, my notes just have all caps. No, you didn't. No one enjoyed that song. So the prince is now convinced. The prince is sold and starts to race out of the palace. The king gets in his way and stops him and says, where are you going? And the prince says, no, the mice told me I have the wrong girl. (laughs) And the king is trying to talk to him and the prince is like but the birds they were birds too and the king goes talking birds and he goes no only the mice talk dad it's just it's a great it's actually really funny and he's going down the stairs and the king plants himself in front of the prince and goes i forbid you to take one more step down these stairs and the prince shrugs and goes okay and flings himself out of a window and he launches himself like onto a horse Meanwhile, the king, whose pants have fallen off during this process, so he's wearing, like, hot pink shorts underneath. He's like, please, we'll get you help. We'll find you a doctor. We'll have you leached. Yep, I love that line. And he, he runs out, and he's standing in front of the, ho- the prince, who's now on a horse, and he's like, stop, stop. And the prince is like, dad, trust me. And the king's like, I do trust you. It's the talking mice I'm worried about. So the prince just goes around him and they try to close the gates on him. And he tells his horse, you'll be fine. Don't look up. Um, And then they show us that the gates have like these sharp, scary points at the bottom. And the horse has the face that you would think the horse would have at realizing this. And the prince just goes, good boy. And they ride away from the castle. (laughs) And the Grand Duke goes, I'll send the army after him. And the king now has a wistful look on his face again and goes, no, let him go. What? Yeah, it's super weird. Yes, it's, I don't understand the king's rapid just descents into nostalgia. So we cut to Cinderella and she's literally in a tumbrel. She's in and I'm going to go to the guillotine and have my head cut off cart. Yes. That's not what happens. Style. She does. It's now down and raggedy. Yes. It's very she, lame as a rob. It is. So the evil guards walk her up the gangway of a ship. It's a very pretty ship. There's and seagulls she, like screaming in the back. It's like dark. She's walking up the plank with her hair like blowing in the wind. Sadly. Dramatic. She looks over her shoulder, the castle's there in the distance, and they're like, time to go. And then she's on the boat, and like, the boat is leaving. Yeah, ominous music. She get, We get a reprise of the, I thought my life was a fairy tale song. Mm-hmm. And the gangplank gets pulled up, and the ship casts off, and the ship starts to sail away. The prince is riding very fast, sees the ship leaving, gets to the dock. The ship has left the dock. There's no, it's gone. So he, but he sees that it is going to pass under by a cliff, essentially the cliffs of Dover. So he takes his horse very fast and rides back through the village and up to a cliff and tells his horse it'll be okay. Now has cliffs. 
yeah didn't have cliff before so he, okay. he also doesn't just like run up a cliff he there's like a mill or something on the edge yeah. of the cliff and he runs the horse mm. through the mill intending for the horse to leap out the window to land on the ship with him and the horse mm-hmm. is like no and uh-uh. stops no. abruptly so the prince gets flung through the window and flies through the air and then Liv, would you like to describe what happens next oh i would i would so much so he catches a rope swings around one of the masts lands on a sail not on not on the yard arm above the sail just hits the sail kind of kaploof gets out a knife and plunges the knife into the sail and uses it to slow his descent down and lands in a avengers three-point landing on the deck and looks up and sees cinderella who's the only other person on the deck and she is by the way aft she is back where the captain and the navigator and the spinny wheel are she's not supposed to be back she's in the wrong part of the ship i did some sailing she's stuff in the too, romantic okay, guys? part of the ship I'm a, I'm a pirate the ship was wrong the prince is also a pirate his also. hair's kind of like windswept and blowing <laughs> in the wind yes and he walks up to her and goes remember me and reaches for her and now the clouds are pretty and they're pink and there's the sunset and I, I guess the touching releases the spell because we watch his memories come back and his memories are now him dancing with her well, at the ball again. So when they hold hands, they feel true love and true love is stronger than magic. Evidently. So he gets down. But on not the, the first time, only the second time. <laughs> no. Well, I, I guess it's prolonged hand contact. Or I guess As- like it's mutual hand contact. Yes. So she flies into his arms and he goes, will you marry me, Cinderella? yes and she goes yes but it's actually cinderella and then lady tremaine goes it's not over yet i have lady tremaine expostulating evilly yeah and anastasia is very sad and she's saying but i thought he loved me oh for clarity's sake uh we have like a very dramatic cut to the stepmother and stepsisters in the palace right right sorry but it's also like metatextual. And so they're looking out of the window and Cinderella and the prince have now arrived in the courtyard and the king is greeting them and they're pointing angrily up at the window where they can see stepmother and stepsister. So things are going poorly. And Anastasia's like, oh, I thought he loved me, which is- Why? He was literally like, under a spell. You wa- knew that. You, you watched that happen. I would buy her falling in love with him but uh-huh. her thinking he's in love with her despite the spell rather than because of it. Yeah, I have no idea why they leaned so hard into Anastasia believing that the prince loved her. That's extremely weird. And essentially Anastasia is saying, oh, it's all over now. It's, it's, we're done for, essentially. And Lady Tremaine goes, do you want the prince to love you? And Anastasia says- Then do says, exactly as I say. Yes. And the doors open dramatically and they both disappear in a big puff of green smoke. And then we cut to the king resting. It was very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the king is laying back with like a cold compress on his forehead. And the Grand Duke is like, it, it appears they have fled. Uh, we searched the entire castle and we can't find them. And the king like freaks out. And he's like, then search the entire kingdom and he yells at the Grand Duke. 
And then he lies back down and he goes, oh, but then I'm an old man. My heart can't take this pressure. And then he looks at Cinderella and the prince and he's like, please tell me this is the one you're marrying. And the prince is like, all the stars are shining brighter, just like you said. And it's actually very cute. Yeah. And now the king is happy and uh, no longer is worried about his blood pressure. And, and so he hops up and like- And dances with fine. the Grand Duke while Jack and Gus dance together. The exact same choreography. Why? Who knows? So then Cinderella is getting ready for the wedding and the birds are helping her with the veil and we kind of get like a little bit more of a look at her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Liv, do you want to describe it? It looks like her blue dress, but it's white. It has the long sleeves. It, it has the long sleeves. It's like an asymmetrical neckline. I thought it, you'd have things to say about it. Uh, I, I don't. I like her second wedding dress. Her her initial wedding dress is very sort of whatever. It's got a V neckline. It has long sleeves. It's white. It's got a poofy skirt. She has a nice cap on her hair with a long veil flowing from it. It's it's pretty. So Cinderella's getting ready for the wedding. She's standing in front of the mirror. And we hear the stepmother say, how lovely you look, my dear. And then we see her appear from behind the drapes. We see this through the mirror. So we again get a very creepy Lady Tremaine sneaks out of a mirror scene. And then Cinderella like whoops around and she's not there. And then slowly Lady Tremaine comes out of the dark and she's petting Lucifer who's in her arms just for the drama of it. Just for, just for the Bond villain aspect. There's no reason for Lucifer to be there. And, and he doesn't like being there. He like leaps out of her hands. Immediately. Um, not a happy cat. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, it appears you're right, Cinderella. The prince does want to marry you and marry you he shall. And then she calls for Anastasia and she slowly comes out of the shadows. She's kind of walking hunched over and you see her silhouette first. And as she comes into the light, you see that it's Cinderella. So this is where I think the mirror motif comes to life is because you have two Cinderella's. And that's why they were so heavy on mirrors. Okay. All right. I can write a paper on this. I would love to read that paper. That would be hysterical. Duality and dichotomy through the lens of a mirror in Cinderella 3. Stop it. Stop it. Subtitle. (laughs) I didn't have a subtitle, so I'll stop. So Lady Charmaine is like, the prince will never know. And Cinderella kind of looks at Anastasia and she's like, but will you even be happy? And Anastasia just goes very sadly, I want what you have. Right? It's a sad scene. Yeah. And then Lady Tremaine magic Cinderella away and she's inside the pumpkin. And the pumpkin is like growing and it's an evil pumpkin with tentacles and it keeps getting bigger. But Cinderella's like still really cramped inside of it. And her dress is all torn up and her hair is all frazzled. Mm-hmm. And it's it is very much the realistic what would happen if you tried to make a pumpkin a coach because it's full of slimy pumpkin seeds and gross stuff inside. And what it's growing instead of tentacles, it's instead of the vines, which normally make the wheels, it's got thorns, which wrap around and keep her, keep her from being able to get out because there's a, a window or something, but she can't get out because there's thorns. Mm-hmm. And then the pumpkin catches a horse it's with horrible with thorns and it's, the horse like looks like really upset oh well, yeah it's now it was a happy horse and now it's full of thorns okay you remember the horse screaming in the mighty mouse cinderella yeah 
that level of upset yeah it was it was definitely that level of upsetting we then cut to lady tremaine who tells lucifer to make sure they don't come back alive yeah she's actively like saying this is definitely a murder movie now so lucifer appears in space above the coach and turns into the coachman cinderella recognizes him instantly well, uh, so did i yeah why would you not um i mean she's familiar with what an animal looks like transformed into a human she's seen that a couple of times now all right he looks he looks very much like lucifer he's in the same coloring probably yeah, she saw him floating in the air before he landed on the and um, he, he's pot-bellied and has a wide evil smile and now uh we're not in cinderella anymore we're now in sleepy hollow uh, yeah the horse is going very fast we're on the a carriage is very ride. creepy and it still has tentacles like moving around flailing and it's she's just getting slammed around inside and we get uh, i guess these aren't hijinks but we get antics now with the mice trying to pull the pin. the mice were sent inside the pumpkin with cinderella because they were in her pocket or something yeah so the mice are there and they are trying to pull the pin out that attaches the coach to the horse which is and dumb because why would you create a pin if you were making this out of vines yeah so it whatever Cinderella is an action girl again and she's trying to break through the side of the pumpkin by like kicking and tackling it. She literally punches her way through the side of the pumpkin. Yeah and then she crawls around the outside of it and is like trying to get to where Lucifer is sitting. Because Lucifer now has Gus. Yeah meanwhile Lucifer has Gus and Cinderella yells let him go and he does but the mice are okay he like they, falls they catch themselves on stuff yeah they like fall to where the the pin, the pin is. is yeah it's, it's fine so cinderella pulls out a vine and she, it makes she breaks his seat he's sitting on sort of a vine structural seat and she pulls one of the vines and the seat breaks collapses underneath him and he falls into like a pond and she goes bad kitty like she's in an action movie yes we're also on a and he becomes a cat again now so i guess because water, I think water makes the magic disappear or just or trauma well so hear me out in D, if you transform yourself into a different animal you get that animal's hit points if you lose all of those hit points like if you die in that form you become yourself again minus that you number think of hit he points. died well, I think that the man died and then the the spell ended. So he came back as a cat. Like he was the spell. This is polymorph. I think he was polymorphed into an evil coachman. <gasps> and then he lost all his hit points when he fell off a cliff because fall damage is like really intense in D&D. And then the polymorph ended because he lost all his hit points and now he's a cat again. We're not safe though, because we are still have an evil pumpkin with a, crazed in pain horse racing across a very narrow cliff top track and oh no there's a hole coming up there's a big section missing because we need more action adventure in the cinderella cartoon in this cinderella cartoon so cinderella leaps from the carriage onto the horse still covered in thorns and for some reason it's no longer attached I guess they were able to pull the pin. Yes, the mice undo the pin and they all leap 
and the carriage falls into the hole, but the horse makes it across. The horse is able to stop in time. And there's like evil green magic steam coming up from the broken carriage. Yeah, the pumpkin gets all smashed and turns back into a regular pumpkin instead of an evil pumpkin and evil green smoke rises from it. The horse is now calm and Cinderella like pets it and looks at the castle and goes, well, I'm not going to miss my own wedding. Which is in response to the the mice go, what are you going to do? And she goes, well, I'm not going to miss my own wedding. And it's a weird comedy beat to have after you just had this really intense Sleepy Hollow scene. And guys, I want to stress, this was Sleepy Hollow. They were racing through fog bare trees even though this is the middle of summer because we watched a bunch of fields be all green and healthy but this is a creepy dead forest full of cliffs and bogs anyways it's real spooky so we cut to giant cgi bells ringing which is so dumb because they had to animate the bells ringing and they were regular looking bells for like that weird magic scene that was like undoing everything because it unrung those bells yeah we got to sing up the bells unringing which I don't think you can unring a bell. I think that's just I think ringing that's... a bell again. So, yes. but now there's CGI and it's really glaring. And now we're in 2007 and I'm like more judgmental of their use of CGI than I was back in the previous one when we were in 2002. So we cut to the inside of the palace. We're in a massive wedding scene. The prince is waiting at the altar. Anastasia, I'm going to continue to refer to her as Anastasia, but yes, I want to be clear. She looks at... She looks like Cinderella currently, but she's she still shape- Anastasia yeah. voice. Yeah, she's shaped like Cinderella. So the king is thanking her for being his son's true love. And Anastasia sort of whispers to him, so you know it's true love when you touch someone's hand, right? And he goes, that's how I've always understood it. And she's still holding the shell that he gave her. Yes, in her hand. There's so many Anastasia and the king beats. It's It was a really interesting narrative choice to have this be part of the way she develops a relationship but I don't think it works for me well I don't think it works because they didn't lean into it hard enough if they'd leaned into it just a little bit harder it would totally have worked I think they could have really played it off as the king is being nice to her and he's not even under a spell like the prince has to be nice to me he's under a spell but the king is just being sweet well, and the king is clearly being sweet because she reminds him of his dead wife, both visually because she has the same bright red ringlets and is much taller than him and is also kind of awkward and dances badly. I mean, and- that part, I think they went the wrong way with that. I don't think that that should have been there because that puts it in the romantic territory for me. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm leaning on this. I think that Anastasia needs to end up with the king. I don't think that would be a good idea for either of them. But I would watch it. (laughs) So the marriage ceremony is happening and the prince sort of leans down and says, my one and only Cinderella, which is a little on the nose. Yep. Um, They're they're playing the Mendelssohn's Bridal March, by the way, which is just, it's one of my favorite wedding songs. And the stepmother is watching evilly from the curtains while this happens. So there's a little bald priest and he's very tiny and he's in a very giant like outfit. Yeah. So he looks very turtly and he goes dearly beloved and the Grand Duke is like so far so good and the king's like well he's not married yet. So everyone's like very nervous about the sweating still. And we can see that Anastasia is sad. We see that Cinderella the real Cinderella has arrived but like can't get in because there's guards. So she's 
at the end of this entrance hall, unable to get in, and they're saying their I do's. And Anastasia says, I, I. And the mice are like helping Cinderella and they go up the pants of the guards mm -hmm. and, you know, they kind of like run away and Cinderella is like able to get there. And then the prince and Anastasia like touch hands and Anastasia goes, I don't. And the prince is really confused because he's touching her hand and there's nothing there. Also, yeah. she just said, I don't. It's a lot to process. It's a lot. He's having a rough day. The priest faints. Well, because at that point, Cinderella that runs into the room and goes, Anastasia. And yes. she goes, Cinderella. And Lady Tremaine storms out from behind her curtain, calls Anastasia spoiled ingrate and she goes, you spoiled little ingrate. I've given you everything you've ever wanted, Anastasia. And then she goes, but I want someone to love me for me. And then we get another bibbidi-bobbidi-boo with everything becoming green with evil magic. Mm -hmm. And all of the guards start getting turned into different animals. Chickens Lady Tremaine is just going like chickens, rabbits, something pigs. else. There we chickens. go. Yeah. And then she goes to cast evil bibbity bobbity boo magic on Anastasia. Cinderella jumps in front of Anastasia. They're both shaped like Cinderella, just being very clear again. As though that's gonna stop Lady Tremaine, who yeah, laughs she and didn't goes, think that even that better. Worked. Yeah, that would have possibly worked the other way around, which again is very confusing because they both look like Cinderella. Yeah, but the real Cinderella is now in a torn up dress and has down hair because she's been through Sleepy Hollow. Yes. So at this moment, the prince intervenes and he runs in front of them and reflects the magic with his sword. So the spell that the evil stepmother was casting bounces off his sword because we've already established that magic bounces off metal for whatever reason. Because um, it's light-based. It, sure. And it hits uh, Lady Tremaine and Drizella and they're transported back to like where all of the dishes were being washed. They're, uh, and they're both sorry. frogs. Yeah, they're turned into frogs. Yeah, I'm, I was getting to that part. Frogs. Okay, I'm so sorry. So Anastasia, in the body of Cinderella, takes Cinderella's hand and says, this is Cinderella, your true love, and then holds the prince's hand and puts their hands together. And it's kind of a cute scene. And she walks away, and Anastasia picks up the wand, and everybody now gets real nervous because yes. she's got the magic wand, which fell down when, the, when Lady Tremaine was turned into a frog. But she picks it up and she says bibbity bobbity boo and points it at herself and turns has the same it's no longer green it's now back to being silver sparkles and she turns back into herself. She looks and very sad like she's not happy to be herself. She it's a sad sort of relieved feeling and the king goes I can't take any more of this and my notes go you and me both man. My notes actually had the same thing. Yeah. Um, so Cinderella walks over to Anastasia and slowly kind of like touches her on the shoulder and then she hugs her and says thank you mm -hmm. and then you know she takes the wand and they both say bibbity bobbity and then Anastasia says boo and the fairy godmother appears she's like stretching she's like oh man I'm real sore real real stiff real stiff that's the one and then Anastasia comes up to the king and she's like your majesty I don't deserve this and she tries to give him back the seashell that he gave to her because it's so meaningful. 
and he goes everyone deserves true love and like kind of closes her hand over it and there's a ping sound there was a definite ping sound when he touched her hand that's why i'm saying i think they need to be romantic leads together and then she hugs him the fairy godmother then uh bibbity bobbity boo cinderella into a different wedding dress i hate mm-hmm. that this is now a verb they have to say bibbity bobbity boo every single time which was not the case in the first movie or in the second one well it, it was the case in the first movie because that song has nothing but bibbity bobbity boo going on in the background i guess but the she didn't like I'm... say it every single time she did something like she nope. can just point and magic happens anyway anyways so this dress i will talk about it has a really lovely off the shoulder collar it uh with i'm not sure it's sort of a cowl top it's got these big off the shoulder diagonal front pieces i don't have the words for them i'm so sorry wings wings they look wing-like thank you and it's a tighter bodice again and a sort of a flowier skirt it's not quite as obnoxiously 1950s round and she's wearing another veil and it's it's very pretty it's a pretty dress it in no way fits with the visual look of anything else that's existed in this universe it is straight out of the 60s it's a very 1960s dress i don't know why it's there but it's beautiful it's it's very pretty but it doesn't go with whatever timeline they think that they're in or pretending that they think they're in or have thought that they were pretending that they think they're in but it's a pretty dress so i'm not you know of all the things in this movie i'm not choosing to be mad about that and so then we get my favorite line the fairy godmother goes would you like me to return return you to your former lives and the prince and cinderella both go former lives (laughs) and the fairy godmother goes well you had I mean, you, you were, you ha- oh, no, never mind. Because while she's trying to explain this to them, they're like looking at each other and they're both so besotted with each other that she's like, it doesn't matter. They're, it doesn't they're matter. happy, never they're mind. fine. And so the king goes, does anyone want to marry my son? And Cinderella goes, I do. And the priest wakes up from a dead faint on the floor and goes, I now pronounce you man and wife. At this point, I noticed that the fairy godmother seems to have left without fixing all the animal guards because you still see a couple of rabbit guards like on the king's throne with him but that's probably fine for them and their lives anyway cinderella and the prince like hug each other and then they look at each other and there's a beat and you kind of think that they're not gonna kiss but then they do kiss yeah and we cut to outside and there's big fireworks going on behind the palace it's a very dramatic scene and it ends with a cinderella voiceover saying and then they lived happily ever after again and then we are finished if you want to wait through the credits the credits are a whole bunch of weird portraits of them in the style of old or rather new paintings so there's like the stepmother is as the screen or the grand duke and the like the screen painting yeah and it's just stuff like that it's actually really clever and i'm mad that they saved all of their interesting clever stuff for the credits there's also a portrait of anastasia with like the chef presumably from the second movie but he doesn't yes yes so this is what i wanted to talk to you about okay wait one last thing uh there's like this weird soft rock song playing that like was so out of tune with every 
other musical piece that they chose for this movie. So I looked it up. It's sung by Hayden Panettiere, if that means anything to anyone. Um, she was the star of like that Heroes TV show. She was in like the second Bring It On movie or the third one or something. It's just a weird choice. And the whole song is like, I still believe in destiny. You and I are meant to be, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, the end. Now you can talk to me about the timeline. Okay, so what this means is that we don't know anything about their first year together. Yes, I agree. Because the contents of the second movie all happen after the third movie. Yes. So what happens is Cinderella goes to a ball. The next day, the Grand Duke shows up. All of this movie happens in the next day. So Cinderella, on essentially Friday night, goes to a magic ball with a prince, falls in love. On Saturday, sneaks into the palace to become the royal mouse catcher, gets shipped off to America, put into a magic evil pumpkin sent to Sleepy Hollow, gets married, and then the next day goes on her, on Sunday, goes on her honeymoon for what we can assume is a week or something, comes back, and then they're mad at her that she doesn't know how to host a banquet. Yeah. Okay. The timeline of this is... No, I think the timeline makes perfect sense, but it's, like, bad. Like, I don't like it. It follows, but then why is she... Okay, so it does explain why she's nicer to Anastasia. It does. It does not explain why she's okay with Lady Tremaine and has invited her and Drizilla to a ball. It does explain why Prudence keeps forgetting that she's not a servant. Oh. Oh, I like that. Yes. It but, doesn't explain but why... But not the... why she doesn't recognize her in servant's clothes. No. It's so weird. And which means that within th- those three parties that we watched in the second movie, they happened once a month or something which means that within three months jack and gus no longer feel useful even though they literally saved her from falling to her death in an evil pumpkin thorn cliff transmogrified cat incident they well, no longer where do feel... you go from there you have a nap after that you have a nappy <laughs> nap you take a little snoozle well we've now finished this saga we normally ask highs and lows here i'm not really even sure I've got some. You have okay, good, good, good. What what are your highs and lows for this, the third and final movie, knock on wood, of this horrific franchise? Okay. So the carriage was very frightening, but it wasn't a low for me because I thought it was just very cool and dramatic. My real low is Cinderella's voiceover. Every time she talks directly to us and makes like a jokey joke, like a kind of like wink. Yeah. Um, I hate it. I don't want her to talk to me ever. For my high, I I like that it was goofy. I, you know, I like the time travel shenanigans. I thought it was fun. I I think my high is like how bananas the prince was. I, yeah. This is one of those movies that is so bad that it goes all the way back around and is fun to watch again. It doesn't become good, but it does become fun to watch again. Yeah, I like, I don't even know how I could possibly grade it. This one's going to be hard to grade. I'm kind of putting that off. 
so what are your highs and lows? Uh, I think my low would have to be the mouse song. Ooh, <laughs> bad. Yeah. But if, if I wasn't allowed to pick the songs, because the songs, again, are all really bad. I think the portrayal of Anastasia and Drizilla as forgetting how to be functional humans okay. was a real low. You know what I hated? What? Uh, the only part of the second Cinderella that I enjoyed was Anastasia's like really abrasive personality. Yeah. And then they didn't do that this time. No, in this one, she doesn't have an abrasive personality. She's already, I mean, she, by the end of this movie, she's sort of sweet and learning to understand. She knows love. how to smile. She knows how to smile. She knows what it feels like to be in love with somebody. She's, which, and then she goes back to Lady Tremaine, which it's never discussed how they get out of frog form and i want to know what happens at that household after i mean that's their punishment is that they all have to stay together but it's it's clearly going fairly fine because in the second movie that's true they're not doing chores anymore no they're back to where they were everything's fine like maybe lady germain made some more fiscally sound decisions or something she used like futures literal like insider trading to know when the fantasy stock market was going to crash but she's walking past one of the scenes she's walking past Anastasia's room and Anastasia's brushing her hair Lucifer's fine again and Lady Tremaine is just like oh my daughter's being a little bit weird did I see her dancing no it's fine girls we must go to the palace with Cinderella she's throwing a ball it's just it doesn't make that's that is the part of the timeline that really screws with me because okay sure the timeline and then this year and then you get the future is fine one three two is a fine order but the way that lady tremaine behaves with her daughters and towards cinderella in this post sleepy hollow pumpkin murder scheme is just weird i mean it also makes the line that anastasia says where she goes well you've always had it easy even dumber I mean, I can't, we can't talk about the second movie when we're trying to judge this one. I think we really have to look at this as a standalone because contextually it doesn't make sense. Like the context is money. They wanted money, so they made a third one and they didn't care if it aligned with the story. It, they didn't care if it had the feel of the Cinderella, like the original one. Like they weren't going for that. They were just like, we have these characters. We need to make money, ta-da. All right. Okay. We, I got distracted from highs and lows. Okay. So my lows are the mouse songs. I hated the mouse songs. I hated there was a reprise of the mouse song. I was so angry about that. I didn't need that at all. My highs would be, honestly, I think it would be the pumpkin scene. It was really gritty. It was really good. That's going to traumatize it, some kids. And it was a great imaginative interpretation of okay, what if it was evil, though? Mm-hmm. And they did it really well. And it's hard to... Evil Pumpkin is... That's a bit of a challenge. Evil Pumpkin. But they did it. Uh, evil Pumpkin. And it was scary. And they were... The setting was definitely mm, alarming. So I think yes. the dark things that they animated were really good uh, when they get pulled away from one another in their memories. It's a really <gasps> oh, dark... Oh, I love that. Right? I think the really dark stuff that they leaned into was where they really shone. 
This was, mm-hmm. by the way, also animated. This was the final Disney Australia film. So this was animated in Australia. Mm. And then it was the last one after this, they closed down shop. The second one was animated mostly in Japan, by the way. Those were the wikis that I fell down. But they just, I thought the things that they did where they were trying to be creative and dark and weird and edgy really worked. And the things where they were trying to be Disney really didn't. So I, I'm not sure what happened, essentially. I, I think it was the direction because this does read very much like a Disney Channel movie. It does, but it's not. It's Sleepy Hollow, essentially. It's well, very... I mean like a Disney Channel original movie for like, okay. like live okay. action. Yeah, okay. It feels like it's meant for an older audience. It feels like the jokes that they're trying to do, the kind of like in the know humor where like we're poking fun at something. Yeah. I, it feels like they're trying to appeal to slightly older children than the previous one. But then with scenes like the food fight, that's something that you would do to appeal to small children because food fights are kind of only funny to a small age. No, that's still no? like a... That's why I they have food it. fights and everything. Oh, I hate food fights. All right. So if you could change something about this movie, what would you change? I didn't like how they used the mice. Okay. In this. And I thought that I'd be happy that there was less of them, but I don't like... Okay, so in the first Cinderella, you don't really see her telling the mice, like, what to do. Like, they decide to help her and all of the, like, really crazy things that they decide to do. She didn't tell them, like, you know, jump on that, go do that, go steal this. They just did that. And so because they kept those so separate, there is this layer of, like, Cinderella got to exist in a much less silly version of this, of that film. Mm -hmm. Uh, because there was like some distance between her and the mouse hijinks and this one she's like part of the mouse hijinks she's like in it so So we're not seeing things from the mice's point of view we're seeing them from her point of view but we're seeing the hijinks so I wish they split that more okay It, it, it was too much like her having a superpower it really bothered me I would yeah I I agree with you I also want to know where the rest of the mice are it was very strange for me to have seen all of these mice in the first two movies and then just Gus, Gus, and Jack. I mean, they're very clearly still at the manor. They're very clearly still at Lady Tremaine's house. No, again, I understand, like, in universe. Oh. But I don't understand why they weren't in this, like, from a production standpoint. Like, it's weird. Okay, how about you? Structurally, I would remove a lot of the exposition dumps that we get in the middle of the movie. You didn't need everything repeated for you multiple times? Were you sober while you watched this? No. <laughs> I was not. Um, but only mildly. And I just didn't need that many recaps. Because we watch it, and then we watch the mice do a play of it. And then we watch the mice do another play telling the prince. It's just, we, we watch, and then the stepmother exposits a whole bunch. And... Uh, exposition is necessary but there's better ways to do it than just they did the exact same thing twice like the mice put on a play twice once for cinderella and once for the prince yes and like that could have actually been a really clever beat where they just tell cinderella but they have to act it out for him because he can't understand mice like she can right that would have been funny that would have been cool and but then the joke they where they have to do the Lady Tremaine hair, then that would have, like, been good. 
that would have made so much sense because they don't need to to act it out for cinderella we've established they can talk to her there's just a whole bunch of things that why don't someone hire us for this i don't know i don't know this is so obvious so do you think our listeners should watch this singly or this is a saga or this never okay i think that our viewers should absolutely watch this it is also completely unnecessary to watch the second one or honestly even the first one if you've never seen it nothing matters nothing makes sense just watch this one it's a delight i'm not sure if delight is the word i would use it's a but delight. it is really interesting it's definitely if you enjoy a really really good bad movie this is the one for you this is fun okay so question do, do you think that this qualifies as Anne Cinderella yes why because it fits within the Cinderella story and like this couldn't be about anybody else no not not that it's not about her but the like goes to a ball oh no it's not a Cinderella somewhere where she's not where she's not supposed to be and meets well actually I think it does No, you know what this is it's the Swan Lake no yeah how is this swan? Oh, yeah, okay. I can see a swan like parallels. You've got the evil one impersonating the good one, and the prince is dancing with the wrong one, and, yeah. and the- something terrible is going to happen to the correct one. Magic, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Cool. So this is technically a swan lake then. Yes. Good to know. Yes. Um, Sleepy Hollow Swan Lake Cinderella. Um, so <laughs> what grade uh, would you give it? uh what are my choices again (laughs) you can go a through f and you can use pluses and minuses (laughs) um i i think i'm gonna give this a a b minus because i had a good time watching it there were only a couple of parts of it that i really hated and there were a bunch of parts that were, they had a bunch of one-liners that really landed, and they had a bunch of comedy beats that really did land very well. They had a bunch that really didn't, but they had some that did. That that doesn't, it's not nothing. They really just did their own thing, and the dark, creepy aspects I really loved. So, B minus, but it's not a Cinderella. How about you? What what grade would you give this? Oh, this is an A. Okay. (laughs) I think this is the farthest apart we've ever been on grades. I mean, in terms of my level of enjoyment, my level of engagement, like 100%, I was into it. I was like, what's going to happen next? I can say with full honesty, I have never seen a movie like this one before. (laughs) I mean, I knew that Cinderella and the Prince would end up together at the end. I had no idea how the movie was going to accomplish that right and they did cut down significantly on the mice so even though I thought that the charm that they had in the first Cinderella they managed to capture none of it was good I had a really good time yeah they they pared down a lot of the mouse nonsense to make way for uh, other nonsense but it was at least human nonsense so fine I have nothing else to say about this movie other than the, the timeline repercussions just I try not to think about them because they I'll wake up at three in the morning and be like but wait why would Lady Tremaine have done that if she knew that this was 
if I could change one thing about this movie, I would have the timeline be the other way around. So I would have it be in chronological order. So the fairy godmother says, you know, do you want your previous life back? Do you want your former timeline back? And they go, yes. And then we go back and we get, I would like the timeline to work out properly. I hate that the timeline doesn't work out. But it still wouldn't work out properly. I know it wouldn't, but because like in the second out. movie they say, "Oh, we're going to the ball at the palace," and in the third movie they say, "And she's never invited us to a ball at the palace." Yeah, but I just, I hate it. So anyway, I th- this, I'm going to be up in the middle of the night plotting out the timeline of this. I don't think you should do that with your time. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this, this stupid thing. Okay. That's good because it's almost midnight. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. <laughs> if you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more substances slash adult beverages in the ever after party please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. We do an episode for every single thing we review and um, they're kooky. Yeah, so for a dollar a month, you get basically double content. Yeah, just like if you're into that, you know, whatever, no pressure. (laughs) Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.